I'm Katie Hirschberger, and this is Publishers Lunch Deluxe for Friday, August 4th. Among the latest reports on our deals board, Alison Raskin's Save My Date. After being unceremoniously dumped by her fiancé, a couple's therapist searches for a new groom willing to marry her in six months so as not to lose face and all those wedding deposits. Based on Alison's own experience, two Canary Street and a significant deal at auction in a two-book deal. Today's top story, KKR tipped as likely acquirer of Simon & Schuster for about $1.65 billion. Private equity firm KKR has long been considered the leading contender among bidders for Simon & Schuster, and the Wall Street Journal, Journal reports late Thursday that the investment firm is in advanced talks to buy the publisher for about $1.65 billion, according to people familiar with the situation. KKR is believed to have bid the first time SNS was up for sale in 2020 as well, though the underbidder then was Vivendi, which had not secured control of Lajardaire at the time. HarperCollins CEO Brian Murray testified last August that, that their bid in 2020 was not close to Bertelsmann's $2.175 billion offer, and that he was shocked by their winning bid at the time. We've probably done five or so acquisitions and tend to be very disciplined in our financial modeling, so we could not find a way to have a return at that price, he said. Simon & Schuster's results have continued to improve since 2020, but part of the calculus is estimating what normal results look like if or when the big lift from Colleen Hoover and other TikTok-driven books fades. Also weighing on the purchase price is that interest rates are far higher now than they were in 2020, when rates were near zero, and private equity, equity purchases are usually financed heavily by debt. When Penguin Random House made their $2.175 billion offer, it was 16 times SNS's 2020 earnings of $136 million. A sale now at about $1.65 billion would equal 12 times the publisher's 2020 earnings. Operating income, a somewhat different measure, rose $248 million, rose to $248 million in 2022, which CEO Jonathan Karp called an extraordinary, stratospheric, and record year. Should KKR prevail, employees there can take heart in the private equity firm's advocacy for implementing employee stock ownership plans at companies it acquires. RB Media employees will receive awards of at least $50,000 each, and potentially double that, when the deal to sell audio publisher HIG Capital closes later this year. While private equity has, limit, has had limited involvement with large trade publishers, there are a few exceptions. Notably, TrustBridge Partners owns Walker Books Group, Peachtree, Holiday House, and partnerships in other international imprints. PE firms dominate in educational publishing, however, controlling Cengage, McGraw-Hill, Houghton Mifflin, and the K-12 educational businesses that were previously owned by Pearson, and a PE company still owns just under half of the Springer Nature joint venture. Beyond that, private equity companies are among the partial backers of companies from open road to streaming giant Storytel, and talent agencies CAA and UTA have substantial private equity ownership. PE also owns specialty companies like UK-based customized publisher Wonderbly. And the list goes on. Overdrive, Barnes & Noble, Vital Source Technologies, Printer LSC, Follett School Solutions, and more. In other news, Bloomsbury USA president Adrian Vaughn dies in boating accident in Italy. Adrian Vaughn, 45, 
president of Bloomsbury USA, died early Thursday evening in a horrific and heartbreaking boating accident off the Amalfi coast of Italy. On vacation with her family, Vaughn was thrown from a chartered 29-foot sightseeing boat when it collided with a larger 130-foot sailboat carrying about 85 people as part of a wedding party. She was declared dead on the scene back on shore by first responders before a helicopter could take her to the hospital. Her husband, Mike, suffered more modest injuries, and their two children were not harmed physically in the incident. Vaughn joined Bloomsbury USA in 2020, first as chief operating officer after working at Trustbridge Partners and Disney Book Group. She was promoted to president a year later when the company said she has strong, strong leadership during the challenging time of the pandemic. The company has not commented publicly yet on the tragedy. There are multiple accounts of the accident, some of which are linked on our website, though we will warn you that some of the details are quite graphic. In other news, Powell's union employees authorized strike. ILWU Local 5 announced on Wednesday that 92% of union members who work at Powell's Books voted to authorize a strike against the bookstore. The union said, this vote gives the ILWU Local 5 bargaining team the authority to call for a strike if it becomes necessary in the course of negotiations. It doesn't mean Powell's workers are going on strike right away, but it does mean they have the option and are getting strike ready. Union employees have been calling renewed attention to their open petition recently, garnering signatures in support of the message, tell Powell's books, workers deserve a fair contract with a living wage. In the petition's description, the union asserts that, we believe Powell's workers deserve a living wage and affordable health care, but the company has yet to bring a proposal to the bargaining table that would ensure every Powell's worker has access to both. Their most generous proposal thus far included a base wage more than $5 below the living wage for an individual in the Portland metro area, annual wage increases that wouldn't keep pace with inflation and are a substantial decrease from the previous contract, and healthcare options that would be out of reach for most workers under their wage proposal. The union started airing these complaints back in May. At the time, a spokesperson for the store indicated to local station KOIN that the company has been negotiating with the union since January. The spokesperson says the proposal includes, but is not limited to, immediate wage increases for staff, re reduced health care monthly premiums, and an enhanced 401k retirement plan match. As of April 2021, Powell's had approximately 170 workers under a union contract. Union rep Mika Dubay, who has worked at the store since 2015, told the Portland Mercury that the contract formally expired in early June, and they are expecting a new offer from store management at the end of August. We would much prefer to come to the table a lot sooner. We're not done. We want to keep talking and negotiating with Powell's and try to come to an agreement, Dubay said. Unfortunately, we won't really know our next steps until Powell's responds to us. Dubay says that the starting wage for Powell's employees is $15.45, which is also Portland's minimum wage. That's not unusual, as indicated in our recent report, behind the minimum wages at indie bookstores. Dubay added, we went to see ranges where people can be a bookseller at Powell's and earn more than $20 an hour. Right now, our level one and two booksellers, most of the workers you'll see in the store, cap out at $19 an hour. The store replied to news of the vote with this statement. ILWU Local 5 has informed Powell's Books that the union would like to meet again, and we remain committed to the bargaining process. Though we have not been informed directly of a strike vote or an intent to strike, 
We deeply value our employees and respect their right to engage in protected union activity. Powell's Books has successfully engaged in contract negotiations with ILWU Local 5 for more than two decades, each time finding common ground that unites us. Our latest proposal includes immediate wage increases and further upholds excellent healthcare benefits that allow us to remain competitive in a challenging economic environment for retail. We are hopeful that we will reach an agreement soon that is sustainable and honors our employees. Continuing the news, Barnes & Noble Education focuses on cost reduction and profitable segments. After a delay in filing while they renegotiated loans with investors, Barnes & Noble Education announced formal results for the fourth quarter and full year 2023 ended April 29th. Those numbers were in line with the preliminary data announced in mid-July, including full-year sales of $1.54 billion, up 3.2% from the previous year, and a grim higher net loss of $101.9 million, even worse than the $68.86 million loss the previous year. Per those preliminary numbers, fourth quarter sales were $248 million, down from $252.2 million last year, and the net loss was a negative $46.25 million, an increase from $10.96 million. For the year, sales in the retail segment were $1.49 billion, up from $1.44 billion. Wholesale sales were $106.4 million, down from $112.2 million. In the fourth quarter, retail sales fell $10 million to $235.35 million, and wholesale sales were 9.2 million compared to 9.05 million in 2022. The company has been closing unprofitable stores with an overall decrease of 61 locations in the fiscal year. At the close of the year, BNED operated 1,366 physical and virtual stores. In the new fiscal year on May 31st, the company completed the sale of its digital student solutions segment for $20 million and the fiscal first quarter should show a gain on sale of business between 2.5 million and 4.5 million. On a call with investors, EVP BNED Retail and President Barnes & Noble College, Jonathan Shah said, the team has built a deep rigor on managing staffing levels and other components of store payroll, which is our largest expense line item. We've established payroll guidelines aimed at maximizing sales while staying within our allocated payroll budget. By implementing these guidelines, we believe our stores will be better positioned to achieve their sales targets while maintaining financial discipline, and we're already seeing positive results. For the coming year, the company expects non-GAAP adjusted EBITDA from continuing operations of approximately $40 million, driven by growth in the retail segment and efficiencies and cost reductions in 2023 and still to come in 2024. On the call, the SVP treasurer, Jason Snaguski, addressed the terms of the company's newly confirmed loans, saying that the ABL is extended until December 2024, and the term loan is extended until March 2025. CEO Mike Husby, Husby wasn't on the call due to a family emergency, they said. The press release includes a rare bit of candor from Husby in which he says, fiscal 2023 proved to be a t challenging year for BNED, as we continued to experience macro and market headwinds, particularly in our a la carte course material business. In People News, at Chronicle Books, 
Elora Sullivan has joined as senior marketing manager. At Sourcebooks, Emily Ludloff has been promoted to marketing specialist for the retail marketing and creative services team. At Lightning Source, Caitlin Kleinschmidt has been promoted to manager trade sales, where she will lead the new trade sales team. Alicia Samuel has been promoted to manager content acquisition sales, where she will lead the sales team focused on the academic, religion, and education markets. Allie Galbraith has joined as a key account sales manager. Prior to joining Ingram, she was in advancing sales leadership roles at InterVarsity Press. Liz Hunter joins as senior key account manager. She was previously with Hachette slash Workman. Dan Kosick joins as senior key account manager. He was most recently national account manager at Walmart at PRH. At Open Road Integrated Media, Jatin Maida has been promoted to Senior Vice President, Technology. At Harper UK, Kate Elton has been promoted to Group Managing Director, Adult Commercial Publishing, reporting to CEO Charlie Redmayne. Reporting to Elton with new titles are Lisa Milton, now Managing Director and Publisher for HQ, Mills and & Boone and & Pavilion, Kimberly Young as Managing Director and Publisher for Harper Fiction and One More Chapter, and Sarah Emsley as Managing Director and Publisher for Harper Nonfiction and Harper North. Reporting to Redmayne are Callie Poplek, now Managing Director and Publisher for Far Shore and Harper Children's, and David Roth A. as Managing Director and Publisher, Fourth Estate and William Collins. At Hodder and Stoughton, publisher Nick Sayers will leave the company in spring 2024 after a career spanning four decades. Separately, Publisher Kimberly Atkins' job has been eliminated as part of a restructuring of their fiction publishing. Executive publisher Joe Dickinson will oversee commercial fiction, hotterscape, and digital. In new posts to our jobs board, Sourcebooks is looking for a senior publicity and marketing manager, and Hachette Books Group is looking for a production manager. That's the news for today.